Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. A lot of people were thinking that the, the tornadoes that hit two weeks ago, you know, it, it only affected a small area. I don't know if you heard the prediction of how much that cost, but I was hearing this morning two billion dollars in damage two billion b not m b that is a lot of damage i mean let's face it that that's enough that the insurance companies stand up and take notice we'll put it that way uh again if you had damage and you're trying to put your house together we'd be more than happy to talk to you about it uh, we got a lot of people who can help you out with it, but if you're already in touch with your insurance company, that is where you should start. Let their adjusters come out, take a look, see what's going on, and it doesn't matter if it's residential or if it's uh, you know commercial property. Let the insurance adjuster take a look at it and come up with stuff first. Now, if it's just roof damage, things like that, you you may want to have your roofing contractor there uh, but there is a lot that the insurance company will will initially take care of for you and things like that then you can start dealing with them and just because they come to you and say okay this is all it's covered this is all we're going to do does not mean you need to accept that as your answer you always have the option once you're into the project because you can't see everything. It's much like repairing a car that's been in an accident. You can't necessarily see all the damage. So you can do supplemental uh, repairs as well. So we'll, we'll use a house as an example. The roof gets tore off. There's a, you know, obviously you got to have a new roof, new decking, some framing ish. Uh, roof rafters things like that so they get into it and they find oh it also tore up some studs over on this corner things like that that gets added on to it so don't think just because they send you a check that that's the final check you definitely want to read it because sometimes on the back they will put a final payment type thing don't sign that that's when you want to if if an insurance company tries to pull that on you that's when you want to go ahead and get an attorney involved because they should get you back whole again. That's what your homeowner's insurance is for, is to get you back whole. Now, if you got business insurance, that's a that's a different program. You know, typically when you're dealing with business property type insurance coverage, you have certain coverage, you have certain limits, and that's all they're going to cover. And you have out-of-pocket when you're dealing with homeowners, though, once you pay your deductible, you're looking for them to get you back whole the way the property was before. John, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Good to talk with you, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, not too bad. I've got a question about a water heater I'm kind of uh, confounded on. Um had it installed three years ago, and uh, the water in about two weeks ago started getting really hot, but not hot enough. So I adjusted the temperature on it and uh, still didn't do anything. And had some advice from uh, a plumber, I said, we'll go ahead and replace the elements. Likely one of them has, has burned out. So I did that, but I'm still having the same 
uh, water heating issues. It doesn't seem to get quite as hot as it should be able to. And I'm just curious, is there a thermostat or something that can be replaced on something? This thing is only three years old, so it's fairly new. Yeah. Uh, It should be under warranty still. I mean, most water heaters have like a five-year warranty on them. Now, you can get some that only have a a one or a three, but most of the time they have a five on it. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't aware of that. It's a ream water heater, and uh, it's... It, it was fine until about a month ago, and then it started acting like this. And so, well, um, I, I would tend to agree then with what the uh, plumber said is probably one of the elements went out. Uh huh. And well, I went ahead. I went ahead and replaced both of those. Okay. Um, and and it still is acting exactly as it had acted before. Yeah. So it could be one of the lines going to an element. Oh. I got gotcha. you. So it could uh, it could be is there something where I would need to bring an electrician in to have a look at it or a well, plumber? Well, typically a uh, uh, plumber would be able to check it and to make sure he's getting power to both elements. Oh, okay. Okay. So well, you're, you're probably you know you've done the, the the steps that normally would be done. At this point, I think okay. you're going to be stuck with bringing a plumber in. Okay. Okay. Well, good enough. I'll I'll contact one and we'll go from there. Sounds Thank good. Thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate it. Take care, John. And, and, you know, when an element goes out on an electric water heater, it doesn't mean you don't have hot water. It just means you don't have as much, and it doesn't quite get as hot. And so, yeah, that's more than likely what's going on. Let's talk with John. Welcome to KTRH. How can I help you? Uh, Yes, sir. I've got a question. We're, we've got a new home that about two years we've been in it. Uh-huh. But we have a, a recurring uh, problem. The front door, when the weather changes, like right now, it, it, uh, it's hard to uh, lock. Okay. I you know any way I could fix that. Yeah, what, what happens is the uh, building materials expand and contract with temperature and moisture changes. And it just sounds like they might have put tolerances a little too tight on door locks so if you look at where the door not, uh, lock is and i'm assuming it's the deadbolt that's giving you the problem yes uh you may just have to make that hole just a little bit bigger a lot of times when you look at the steel plate you'll see that uh-huh. there's wood still inside of the opening where that steel plate goes and so if you just cut the wood a little bit bigger you know you gotta remove the steel plate make the hole a little bigger and put the steel plate back on Usually that clears it up. Now, you may have to move it just a little bit, but, you know, if it's only happening when we have the temperature and and, uh, weather changes like we're having, that should be all that's needed. Now, if it happens, you know, during summer months as well when it's rain versus dry, that's a little bit of soil movement. You may want to take a look at getting the moisture system going around the home to keep the soils expanded to minimize the movement but it sounds like to me what you're having is just a temperature change issue okay um would i be able to put a a different door in because i know the manufacturers the doors they put on they're not really all that great absolutely yeah if you want to put a different door in you by all means feel free uh and you know that then it can all be adjusted into place at that time okay all right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You for bet. The info. 
take care. When we left, we were talking with Adam, my son, about a fireplace at his house. And Adam, you know, that old volcanic type rock you have on there, like I said, it, it's so large and so ins and outs, it'd be very difficult to put anything over the top of it that one would look right and two would adhere properly. So if you knock that rock off, which really wouldn't be that big a deal, what you'll find when you get behind it, it's either going to have brick because they covered up an old brick fireplace or it's going to have a wood frame behind it that has sheetrock or wood or something like that on it that they attach this to. Either way, that gets you back to where you've got a solid surface to start back up with and you could go with a new brick you could go with uh, a, a stucco look type product uh, create stone which is what my fireplace material is out of uh, you know could go over the material that we would get back to by pulling that rock off uh, you got many many choices at that point I mean you're basically back to like you were building from new yes and then uh Kind of my other question is, uh, you know, my house had had previous foundation work. It has some continued movement, and I was actually wanting to put a uh, foundation irrigation system to help minimize how much movement occurs going forward. Right. Um, and I was kind of also curious, do you think that I would be able to do that work on the fireplace currently, or I should wait a little bit longer after I get that foundation watering system going and get the foundation more stabilized? Well, this year, it's been an odd year. We had a ton of rain early in the year. A lot of areas are in drought-type situations right now. Uh, when it was real moist and everything was swelled, you would have been fine to do it. If you're in an area where it's been dry, it may be down a little bit, you would probably want to hydrate the soils first. Now, on your particular house, because I know your house, I've been in it, uh, the fireplace is pretty much in the middle. You're going to have minimal movement there. You wouldn't have an issue going ahead and doing yours. Yes, and that, that was kind of my thought, but, you know, I always like your opinion before I actually do things of that nature. <laughs> yep. Okay. If, if you got a little bit more time, I was actually wanting to add uh, another question to it, kind of similar. Okay. We were thinking about that fireplace. I also had the thought of on the perimeter of the house, I got that adobe brick, that real sandy, delicate brick. Then you got the Mexican cheap brick. Yes. Yeah. And um, kind of the same solution. Do you think it would be better to just rip it down and replace? Because I'll, I'll be honest, this week I got a quote for $6,600 to go around and repair all the cracks. And that's a good chunk of money that I could put towards just completely redoing that outside. Right. Um, and I was kind of curious what the process is for doing like a stucco on the perimeter or replacing well, the brick or something of that if, nature. If you were going to put a real stucco on it, which can be done, you would actually go over that brick with a lath, uh, you know, a metal lath. Then they would put yes. a, a, the initial coat then they would put a scratch coat, then the stucco itself would go over it. The brick wouldn't have to come off if you did that. Uh, you could take the brick off, 
and put stone or new brick on the home. Be pretty costly to do that. Uh, you could, like the create stone we were talking about, that can be used outside as well. That could go on there. So you got a lot of choices. Yep. Uh, your least expensive choice mm -hmm. would be to repair the cracks, and you don't have to do a, a fancy tuck pointing job. You could re repair them yep. with just a siliconized caulk and then paint mm -hmm. the brick. And you would have to make sure to use a masonry uh, primer on it before painting the brick. But by doing that, uh, you can buy yourself years and years of time. And if, you know, for people who have brick that is deteriorating, the paint can seal it and keep moisture from deteriorating it further. Okay. Um, kind of one of the other things that appealed to me, though, because I kind of suspected that they would use that lath or whatever. Right. Would be putting a possible radiant barrier into that mix somehow. I didn't know if that was something you could, that could be done. You can. Yeah. You could. You could put it behind the lath. Uh, now it has to be the multi-layer system with a thermal break. But that could go behind the yeah. lath to uh, to give you a good radiant barrier protection. Let's head to Wiley and Vicky. This is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I have a home. It's about sixteen months old, and it was encapsulated with foam. Uh huh. So I'm wondering, is there something I need to do to prevent this? What you call sick home? Is it that sick house? Just keep an eye on things. Make sure that you have your air conditioning system serviced minimum of twice a year so that they can make sure everything's working properly. When the, ho when the new homes like that are totally encapsulated, they have what's called a fresh air vent that comes into the air conditioning system to draw fresh air in from outside. Uh, okay. But if everything's not balanced the way it's supposed to be, what happens is you'll start getting... Uh, molds and mildews growing like in the oh, corners no. of windows and different places like that and if you start seeing anything like that you want to get your ac person out immediately to check the system make sure it's functioning properly okay so if i have two units would i have two fresh air vents yes ma'am okay all right then i'll just make sure they check that and, um get on top of it yeah, and and those fresh air vents typically have baffles in them that, you know, uh -huh. uh, open up when the unit's running, close when the unit's closed, so that you're not getting cold air drafts coming in and stuff during the winter months and warm air in the summer months. But uh, it, it it you just come where you have to make sure that your system stays working right all the time in order to avoid problems. And is it that all homes that have this type of insulation have this issue absolutely not it only happens if something goes out of kilter or you know something goes wrong with it they, they can be very problematic very quickly so you just want to stay on top of of it and like i said you really don't have to worry about much of anything as long as you keep it serviced and you don't see mildews and molds growing in the window corners and you know bathrooms and things like that as long as you don't start seeing those issues, you're doing just fine. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. You bet, Vicky. Take care. Enjoy the new home. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Now, the reason I say it the way I do 
you know, and recommend it the way I do is if you put the foam on the walls, because inch for inch, it gives you the highest R value of any insulation available. And the fiberglass in the attic, the fiberglass versus foam, R49 is R49. It doesn't matter if it's fiberglass or in, or, or foam insulation. It's still the same insulating properties. The difference is the fiberglass breathes, the foam doesn't. That's the reason I prefer to do it that way. Your house is just as energy efficient, yet you don't run the risk. I'm not saying your home is going to have an issue if you go all foam, but why take the chance? And the bonus on top of everything, the fiberglass is way less expensive than the foam. So it just to me makes sense to do it that way. And I've, I've, you know, the, in my opinion, the builders have been sold a bill of goods on foam insulation. It is excellent insulation. Don't get me wrong. And if I lived in the northern states where it snows and gets ice cold for half the year, I would want foam insulation because it keeps air drafts from coming in and all the other stuff. In our climate, it's not the ideal situation. And that's what it boils down to. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. I want to build on a level wooded lot that I own. It's mainly covered with oak and cedar trees. What is your recommended process for preparing the area for a concrete slab foundation, i.e. removal of root balls, distance to clear away from the slab footprint, type of fill dirt, and settling time for the fill? Thanks, David. Well, look, if you're going to build where there's trees that you've got to take out, you know, that's where you start hearing about homes, new homes that have a heave situation. Because when you remove a tree, the moisture starts going back into the soil that the tree's been taking out, and it swells and it picks things up. So typically what I tell somebody that's got a lot that has trees on it that you're going to take down in order to build, and I did this on my own house uh, years ago. I had one that we had a tree in the backyard. We were going to put an addition on the home. I took the tree down first. I waited a year while I watered the soil. Then I put my addition on. I tied my two slabs together, and I was able to tile over that expand over that uh, cold joint where I tied the addition and the new slab together. I followed that house for eight years, and it never cracked. It can be done, but your key thing, take the trees out, water that soil so that moisture goes deep down and expands the soils before you build the home. As far as how far away from the house should you have the trees, you know, ideally you're going to want to have, you know, 15 feet anyways, if not more, but that'll get you started. We were talking with Rusty down on Galveston and Rusty, that high humidity, uh, what kind of air conditioning system are you running? Is it uh, regular central air and heat? Yeah, I have a regular, it's a two-story home, elevated, okay. and I have a split system, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, and it's uh, it's, it's uh, a high sear rated, uh, I think, carrier equipment. So, do, do you keep it running all the time? We just have it set on... Um, 
Yeah, it doesn't run all the time, but it is on, you know. Yeah, but how hot? We how, have that check. How high are you setting the well, thermostat, first, though? Well, well, my wife likes it at like 68 degrees when it's 98 outside. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's a non-negotiable, by the way. <laughs> I I understand. I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, but you know, with it on like that all the time, it should be taking that moisture out of the air in the home with no problem. Right. This isn't just a weekend. This is your your living home. Yeah, right? I, 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 yeah, it's a permanent. Yeah, okay. Uh, so would a dehumidifier help? Absolutely, and it may it let your wife raise that thermostat a little bit because it does sound like your system's not dehumidifying the way it should and right. that that very well could be what the issue is so what i would recommend is go get two portable dehumidifiers set them up in a, in a bathroom where they can drain like into a shower or tub and give right. that a try because if that works that that just means that yes your house needs a little more dehumidification and that should clear it up uh it may be that this current system needs to be adjusted but quite frankly those dehumidifiers just aren't that expensive and with that i gotta let you go hi jim i listen every saturday by the way we do a saturday show as well i have this stone that is not totally uniform with some kind of mortar the stone are long, thick, and heavy. I have areas where rain has poured the roof and has had an impact on the mortar. The guy that did my roof said a product, bare natural, can be sprayed and sealed stone and mortar to stop slow mortar wash and crumbling. What is your thought? And then she sent me a second email to follow this up. Uh... I did not mention this bare natural is supposed to make the stone mortar repel water. I also have long time discoloration in three spots that are blackish. He said he would spray quarter bleach and water mix first, but the blackish color would never go away. Anyway, he uses this product on chimneys. Also, I added that our crawl space is cemented floor and four foot tall. Some mortar is crumbling, and some is reduced, and that is rough pitted. Thanks, Jim. So uh, what they're dealing with is a stone footing on a modular home, and it's on the side of it, you know, built up to fill that gap to, to make it look like it's sitting on a stone foundation. The discoloration is most likely a growth and what i would rather than using quarter bleach and water i would spray it with a wet and forget spray and forget that type of product that is an enzyme based product designed to eat away the growth on that stone and what he's proposing to spray it with a mortar is is a a uh basically a sealer product so that the the mortar and the stone is not absorbing moisture any longer if your mortar is bad though where it's crumbling it's really not going to do anything to change that uh, you could still have that issue but what it should do is keep moisture from going into the mortar and it should also keep moisture from staying on the stone that's causing it to discolor that way so i would clean it up but like I said, not with bleach, but use a 
wet and forget or spray and forget. Either one of those products would work fine. Then I would put the sealer on, not, not necessarily the bare sealer, but any uh, masonry sealer. I typically go over to HD Supply and get a commercial type masonry sealer rather than just from the box stores just because it's a higher-end product that lasts longer. But it definitely will help with the issues you're having. May not clear up all the mortar washing out, but it, it definitely will help. This comes from Lisa in Fort Worth. I have a 90-year-old home on Eagle Mountain Lake that belonged to my grandparents. I am planning to have porcelain tile installed throughout. It is a pier and beam home. Can a pier and beam home take the weight of the tile? 700 square feet of tile, also hardy backer board or uncoupling membrane like DITRA. Well, absolutely it can take the weight with no question. What you have to look at though is what is the subfloor uh, because typically a 90-year-old home, the subfloor should be fine. A lot of times it's going to be just a 2 by material like a 2 by 6 or, or uh, 2 by 8 However, some of the homes only used 1 by And if they only used a 1 by I would recommend that you deck it with another sheet of 3 quarter inch plywood before putting the tile on it because what happens is if you just go with a one inch you when you walk across it you're going to see that you can get some between the floor joists some little sags when you walk on the boards well when you put tile on that it still gets that little sag and then that cracks the, t the tile uh, so when you put a second layer on top using that three-quarter inch plywood that gives you enough thickness now that it doesn't sag. The concrete backer board is great, but the problem is it doesn't have any structural strength. And so you still can have the, the sagging. So uh, if it's only one inch thick on the subfloor, add another layer of three-quarter inch and you'll be fine. And you can not have to worry a bit about the weight of putting tile on there. That foundation will never know the difference of that weight. Uh, you know, I get that question a lot of times, people looking at putting siding on a home, uh, and they worry about the weight of putting James Hardy siding on the home. Not an issue. It is such a minor difference that, uh, th like I said, the foundation doesn't know the difference. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.